Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 255. And tonight we're recapping Welcome to Night Vale number 182, It Sticks With You. However, we realized we also need to recap the latest Welcome to Night Vale live episode, The Investigators. And we need to talk about the latest episode of Laura Olympus. And we both watched episodes three and four of WandaVision. And we have the sit rep. So it's time to break out the timer. Yep. We will go ahead and set something and it'll be that nice, startlingly loud sound that we picked the last time. But we won't tell Mm -hmm. you how long we're setting it so you can be startled too. (laughs) Okay. So we're going to start, since it's fresh in our brains, we're going to start with the latest episode of Welcome to Night Vale and start the time. Starting. Okay, so, you know, did you catch the sort of element of, like, fathers in this episode that was coming up several times? Yeah. Sort of, like, either either directly or indirectly? Because even there was a bit at one point where they're talking about sports news, where it's John Peters, you yeah, know, the farmer. the farmer, right? He plowed his field of invisible corn in order to make a baseball field because he heard this voice saying if you build it he will stop by for a visit and he's like and I knew it was the voice of my narrator and I'm like well this just got really meta didn't it? (laughs) It sure did but it turned out well he was hoping it was the person that would stop by for a visit would be his dad but it turned out it was the tax guy because apparently he's not zoned for sports on his land so he's going to get a hefty fine but that's okay because the tax guy and him um, played catch for a little while and he seems like a nice guy and they have a standing date to have him come over so they can play catch every Sunday. So, yay? Yay, that's right. The reason why you bring it up is because the sort of framing development of this episode is Cecil and Carlos and Esteban, their adopted three-year-old, they all went for a hike in a redwood forest. Yeah, and it sounded like they were having a fantastic time. Cecil thinks it's really great to make memories that will last a lifetime by going into the great outdoors. Yeah, except every time he sort of breaks away, he comes back and he's talking about this trip and it reminds him of when he was younger and he and his sister would go hiking with their mom and he kept on hearing owls and that's the other thing that keeps coming up in this episode he's always talking about the sounds that owls make even though carlos had no idea what he was talking about when he asked yeah um we took a break for a moment to do the financial news and i'm pretty sure this was inspired by the whole GameStop thing because it was talking about everything can be capitalized was the message of this one so sadness is a commodity reap dividends on your emotions short spell your despair <laughs> sunshine is cryptocurrency you know it's feelings and futures and everything else and i'm like yeah it's the most cynical view of the entire planet kind of reminds me when people talk about how you shouldn't necessarily feel like everything that you do should be a way to make money. Like, you know, you do a craft and there will always be somebody who's like, wow, that's really cool. You should sell those. And that's like, you'll hear that over and over again. And maybe not everything that you do needs to be something to make some kind of financial gain. Well, it's a reason why I don't think I've ever actually pushed myself to become an artist as a career, because I'd hate the idea of learning to hate what I do because I'm having to make money at it. But anyway, sorry, we're running out of time here. So um, yeah, before we went to the weather, Cecil talked about a memory of 
a man and a boy, and the man tells the boy to get inside a tree. And then Mm. suddenly Cecil is remembering it as it's happening to himself, getting into a tree. Like Mm -hmm. looking, you know, he's actually feeling sensations, and he looks inside and he can see absolutely everything, including the weather. (laughs) (laughs) And Joseph Fink did the weather this time, and it was very nice. I always love hearing a little bit of Joseph Fink. Yeah, it was, we perform a service here. Um, The repeated rhyme in that one was, the navel is just a scar, which I'm like, "Eh, it's true. He's not wrong. No, he's not. So we come back from the weather, and there's a little tape recorder in front of Cecil that he remembers using when he was a kid, because he'd play it being a radio announcer. And he's like, I wonder if there's anything on it. There's three recordings that we here. One is March 18th, 2019. The next is February 26th, 2020. The next, I believe, is February 25th, 2021. Something like that. Yeah, it was definitely February something, 2021. And every time he's talking about being stuck inside a tree, hearing only the sound of owls above him. But the sound that he's describing is different every time, like a steam engine hissing at one point, and then it was something different the next time. But he doesn't seem to be remembering that it has happened before every time he's talking about it. Yeah. Each recording ends with him seeing a light and him being like, what is that light? I've seen that. I know that light. And, you know, or or just saying no at the end or whatever, and it all just each time stops abruptly. And then Cecil apologizes and said, oh, I'm sorry, guys. I guess that was just a blank cassette. But (laughs) in addition to all of that, he doesn't remember the trip out to see the trees with Esteban and Carlos now. Nope. Nope. He has no memory. He has no memory of what he was talking about in the studio today, but he's like, I don't know. I can't remember every single little... Ah! (laughs) Stop. Stop. He says he can't remember every detail of every single broadcast he does because I've been doing this show for longer than I've been alive. I mean, for longer than you've been alive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The only other thing was at the beginning, they talked about on February 25th, they are going to be doing a live stream performance of two episodes of Alice Isn't Dead. And one of them is Factory by the Sea. And I freaking love that episode. That is a great, and I loved how they said that they were doing two of their most popular episodes. And they said the first is Factory by the Sea. And I'm like, we're not alone. Everybody loves that one. (laughs) But I can't remember. Do you remember which one was the next one? I didn't even hear after that. I didn't actually. I'm, no. I'm looking forward to that because I just heard Factory by the Sea. But <laughs> the other thing was uh, Cecil's intro was today is the third day of the rest of your life. I'm like, that mm. needs to be embroidered on a sampler somewhere. Yeah, it really does. So moving right along to the next thing, we're going to do a quick recap of the Welcome to Night Vale live show that we just listened to, The Investigators. All right, hang on a second. And starting. The first thing that made me realize that I had actually watched the live show of this episode in the theater uh, was um, Deb the Sentient Patch of Haze doing a ad for Dasani brand beverage. And I loved that. The whole idea about her saying you've got to choose Dasani because it's not like our products are poisoned. And you're seeing Cecil the entire time kind of looking sideways and getting kind of unsure and saying, Deb, did you 
poison all the other water? And she's like, oh, I can't remember that far back. Or some some evasion every time. But it was definitely the implication that, yeah, she's poisoned all the water except Dasani brand beverage. Sounds like perfect Deb right there. The way I knew that I had seen this before was they were talking about how there's been a murder and there's all these people stuck in a building and they're kind of like at an involuntary murder mystery dinner theater. But every time Cecil says it, he always says it's for the murder mystery dinner theater. And it gets like more <laughs> overblown every time. And I remember that from the live show. I remember surprisingly little else, except there was audience participation in that one. I do remember. And and we had, were actually playing along when we were watching this. We were chatting back and forth and Cecil talks about and one person turns to another person and says, I've got my eye on you. And it, everyone was encouraged to actually say that. And mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. whole idea being that it was two people that were total opposite personalities, but then they found out that they can work together, and then they save the day, and we were just like, yay, we <laughs> saved the day. <laughs> and there were just other little things, like, you know, one of them winked at the other, wink, except it was a really big, like, the biggest wink ever, wink. That's what <laughs> we were typing back and forth to each other, wink, wink. <laughs> I love those giant emojis. I don't know why that makes me laugh every time. Every single time. <laughs> It was really fun to see everybody. Um, We actually got to see um, uh, Pamela Winchell, and I don't think we've ever seen the actress who played her. I'm not even sure that she's ever actually had a voice on the show, but she definitely had a voice on the live episode. Yeah, that was wonderful, getting to see her do a live emergency press conference. But the other thing I loved, there was Eliza Rickman, I think, was it, that Uh did... Uh the weather and she was playing on a toy piano and it was brilliant. I mean, just yeah. such a wonderfully creepy sound. And I hadn't realized until we watched this new um, YouTube channel, Rescue and Restore, and mm. he restored an old toy piano. And the inside, it's a little metal xylophone. That's it, with a oh, whole bunch of little so hammers. But it it sounded really good. Um, she was shaking, especially she when she was finished nervous. up. She was yeah. really nervous. So good for her for doing a fantastic performance when she was obviously scared to death. Yeah, she did a really, really good job. Everybody did a really good job. We, of course, got Tamika Flynn. Symphony Sanders was there. Cecil, of course, was there. And I had not known that these shows actually have a comment section off to the side, which gets very weird and crazy like all you know live streaming comment boards get. But Steve Carlsberg showed up, and the whole comment thread was just like, Steve! 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 <laughs> Everybody loves Steve. Everybody wanted Cecil to stop being mean to Steve. So it's yeah. really interesting to hear these older episodes when Cecil just absolutely hated Steve. Yeah, we forget, you know, he really loves Steve now, which of course is something that happened in store. But back in the day, oh God, he was so mean. <laughs> it was fun. And then in the end, they, we didn't get the chance to see everybody do the little dance to the music, though everybody was pretty calm for this one, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess, was it Joseph Fink who accidentally cut the broadcast off? Yeah, he did. And then he immediately got on, because maybe they recorded it ahead of time or something, I don't know. But he got on instantly to apologize for cutting everybody off and that he was really embarrassed. And he gave the last little bit of information about the upcoming uh, Alice Isn't Dead performance. And then he, it was, he said something like, oh, and then there was just one last thing, and then he was cut off. And we're looking at each other going, 
they had to have they done did that, that on purpose. purpose. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was way too perfect. But like the accidental cutting off of everybody, I believe, was an accident. But like the very very final bit, no, he did that on purpose. So once again, if you guys get a chance, just go to Welcome to Night Vale to the live show section. It's five dollars plus some taxes and fees, which is not much at all, and it'll probably be available for at least another what four weeks, I think, something like that. Something like that. It's funny because if you go to Noon Chorus, you can actually see the listing of all the episodes up there, but I haven't checked to see if like the first few are still available. I don't know. I don't know. So yeah, definitely worth it. Ah! <laughs> nice timing. Okay. Hey, stop, stop. Okay. Uh, that wraps that one up. So I guess we should move right on. Well, all right. So we, we will go ahead and start the timer again. Starting. We're going to move right on to the weekly Sip Ah, very nice. I have a glass of wine, so you don't hear any um, beer opening noises okay. over here. I have Cottontown Lager, which is actually the base of what they use to make the Limetown Lager at Deep River. Ooh. Be darned, even through the mask, they know me now when I go to pick up uh, some canned beers. They're like, oh, okay, we don't have any Limetown today. Won't be back until spring. I'm like, yes, I know that. I know I ordered a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. In this pandemic, I firmly believe that the liquor store people definitely recognize. The guy down the street from me recognizes me. He's like, hey, it's nice to see you. And I'm like, yes, I'll pick up my beer now. Thanks. <laughs> so, Sibrep, um, nothing new to report. The number of positive cases are still going down in San Diego. I don't know. We're only a week away from the Super Bowl, so I hope we're not going to see a spike next week. I have been noticing the number of active cases is dropping on the Worldometer site where I check. You can actually see the lines starting to drop down, and, and yeah. more people are getting the vaccines. One of my coworkers, who um, she has to travel a lot for work, and she is a cancer survivor, so she oh. got her vet first vaccine the other day. So it's getting closer. Oh. I know Mom is getting real frustrated at how Mr. Governor DeSantis. Mr. Idiot in Florida is running things because they yeah. signed up for a vaccine weeks ago, but it's a freaking lottery. So, yeah. I mean, they could get it tomorrow. They could get it after literally everybody else in their high risk category has already gotten one. It's a stupid way of doing things. Yeah. It's, I was telling her she was describing it like she gets up super early in the morning on the day they announce it and you have to log in and they put you in this little waiting room and you watch as the number of vaccines available goes down, 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 down until it's the end and they're like, sorry. Sorry, no more vaccines this time. And I'm like, it's like trying to get a Comic-Con ticket. It's so much worse. <laughs> so much. And so, de- so demoralizing. I mean, you put your yeah. name in and then they force you to look and see that you're not getting a vaccine every single day. That's, that's yeah. horrible. Yeah, no, it's not the greatest. I don't know. I have a coworker who just got his 90-year-old mother just got her second dose of the vaccine. So wow. Like, yeah. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Man. So, But uh, um, other than that, the, um, the president uh, got acquitted. So, yeah, No whatever. surprise. When I when I saw the news about the House leader, Republican leader McCarthy, and the phone call where he actually asked Trump to help with the fact, you know, call off the rioters, and Trump didn't do anything, and Trump knew yeah. how bad it was, and I, I, it gave me stupid hope at that point yeah. that they were actually going to hold him accountable. I watched the speech that McConnell gave afterwards. Right, it's a cracker of a speech, I have to say. I mean, it was he. He definitely says that Trump is morally responsible for what happened. What makes me uncomfortable is that his argument about why he voted against it. 
Yeah. Makes a little sense to me, unfortunately, because he points oh, out boy. that it's very specific in the Constitution that it's for the president and the vice president and civil servants, I think, and it's to take them out of office, which oh. Trump is no longer in office. And his idea was that if it was opened up to anybody who had held office, then you could do the impeachment and ban them from ever holding office again. There would be nothing to stop everybody from just going back to any politician that they didn't like and impeaching them and making it sure that they would never be able to get reelected. So fine, oh, I, I understand that. If he had voted to convict Trump the first time he was impeached, we would have had none of these problems. But that's nope, another nope. story. Also, but he also kind of it sure it's a great argument except he was one of the people who was kept us from being able to impeach him before he lost power the delaying tactics that he always does he's like no we can't impeach him no we can't impeach him no we can't impeach him not yet not yet not yet and then he's out of office sorry he's out of office we can't impeach him and i'm just like i see right through you yeah, asshole. Yeah. mcconnell is a spineless little toady who never stood up to trump when it actually yep. mattered ever yep. ever yeah. so yeah yeah <sighs> we won't beat a dead yeah. horse on that. We've only got 30 seconds left. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think um, mom and dad are okay. Hannah's okay. I think they had a nice, pleasant Valentine's Day. Hope everybody else did. I went for a hike, whatever. I, I did yoga today for an hour. I'm trying to be healthy. It's freezing cold, so I haven't been able to go jogging for like a week now. But other than that, yeah, mm-hmm. Nathan's doing good. We're all, you know twiddling our thumbs, waiting for the vaccines and for the numbers to go down. And fingers crossed, we'll be going to the mountains this fall with the, the whole family. Oh, I really hope so. I like how Fauci said, ah! <laughs> stop, Sorry. stop. He said he really thought that the number of vaccines available is just going to increase exponentially. And pretty soon it's going to be a free for all. Like when you get your flu shot, there's no like tiers and numbers of people. It's like everybody can get it whenever they want. And I'm like, oh, from your lips to God's ears, dude. Please. Yes. So I guess we'll do, since it's kind of shorter, we'll do Laura Olympus next, you think? Yes, I think that's a good idea. So hold on a second and start. So we picked up the latest episode of Laurel Olympus. And by the way, spoilers for all things Laurel Olympus right now, but we kind of picked up pretty close to where the last episode ended, where Hades and Persephone were just about to kiss. And then they actually kissed. They actually kissed. I so <laughs> thought that something was going to interrupt them. But man, it was like a good makeout session. Too. It was it was amazing. And she started turning into butterflies again. But this mm-hmm. time, Hades was able to stop her from completely vanishing and flying away because he told her, it's like, don't go. It's the loneliest thing in the world when you go. She's like, oh, oh it's wonderful. It's so, the whole thing was so freaking sweet. And... She explained, I was really hoping that she was going to tell him about Apollo, but I guess I'm glad she didn't because that would have definitely, the mood would have been totally gone. But she explained that, you know, the reason why she turns into butterflies, she, she wants to kiss him. She enjoys kissing him, but she's afraid because she's like, I don't know that I'd be able to give you what you've come to expect. And he's like, what do you mean what I've come to expect? And she said, women coming into your office only wearing their underwear. And he's like, oh. <laughs> it's yeah. like, damn it, Menth. Yeah, but yeah. So also, she, because Hades is also kind of putting the brakes on thing. And mm-hmm. she's wanting to know, I mean, does 
do you not want me? That's what she wants to know from Hades. And Hades says, you're a guest in my house, and I don't want to push the bounds of hospitality. So he doesn't want to hold anything over her, but he also says he doesn't want her to think that her needs are secondary to his or to anybody else's. I'm like... Uh, all the commenters are going absolutely nuts. So just oh, Rachel yeah. is oh writing God. this perfect guy that he obviously desires the hell out of Persephone and doesn't want to do anything to hurt her or pressure her or anything. And it's glorious, but there's an extra wrinkle going on because in the end of their conversation, he gave her a pin that he had been wearing on his toga. And it was in the shape of a pomegranate. And I looked at the comment sections and they're like, oh my God, it's the third pomegranate. And I thought, what? It's like, he gave her a can of pomegranate soda. He gave her a pomegranate style or brand phone, I think, something like that, smartphone. And now he's given her a pomegranate pin. In the original myth, she ends up having to stay for part of the year because she ate six pomegranate seeds when she was in the underworld. So I'm like, That's right. let's get the other three fast! Yes, I know. Because <laughs> it's so, this is just, it's the Greek mythology if Hades was not a bad guy in the original story. I mean, it's just so, oh, I'm just really looking forward to just I don't know. I mean, if everything gets resolved, does that mean that the comic has ended? I don't know. But I'm just like, oh, go faster. (laughs) But the ending is another bit of a cliffhanger because now, of course, Hades wanted to know, okay, well, what do you want to do right now? What would you like to do? And Persephone smiles and they're swimming. She just she yeah, loves she, to swim, she and, loves now, swimming. and now they're actually able to go forward with each other, which they weren't able to do because oh, they were still a little so uncomfortable. Cute. But then you see outside in the underworld, and this beam of light comes down to a tall building, and it's a bird, and it flies down to the ground. And someone pointed out there's a little fuck Zeus graffiti on the wall, which is I saw perfect. that, yeah, yeah, and it turns into. Demeter. So Demeter is now, she's been on the run because she was included in that arrest warrant for Persephone. So now she's in the underworld. Now, is she going to think that Persephone is safer down in the underworld where she's away from Zeus? Or is she going to think that Hades is preying on Persephone now? I just feel like Demeter's never given Persephone any credit for any type of like self-reliance whatsoever. She's going to assume that Persephone doesn't want to be there, that Hades has kidnapped her. That'd stay true to the original myth, that she's just like, this man has stolen my daughter, corrupted my daughter, whatever. Especially, oh, if she sees him doing makey-outy time. Oh, oh my God. Boy. Yeah. Oh, well, we still don't know what's happening with uh, Apollo, and we still don't know what Artemis's reaction was to Persephone's <sighs> phone call, which I want man. to find out. Because that's... That's the big question right now. How will Artemis react to the idea that her brother was preying on Persephone? Also, what's going to happen when Minth sees... I mean, Minth is in so much denial about Hades and Persephone. She's like, no, there's no way that he likes her. He loves me and everything. If, But, I mean, Hades just pretty much completely, completely turned down Minth's advances. Ah! <laughs> stop, stop. He turned down her advances a couple episodes ago and she still didn't get it. If she sees Hades and Persephone making out like you wouldn't believe, I mean, is she going to get it then? Probably not. Well, there is some conflict in the original myth between Demeter and Menth. So I'm wondering oh. if we are leading up to that. And that is all oh. I will say on that particular subject. Oh, can I get? Sounds right. 
So then we're going to move into what we've been really waiting to talk about, and we're going to set this one a little bit longer because we got two episodes to go through, and I've got a few things that I really need to say. Okay. And starting. So, episodes three and four of WandaVision, and you were the one who told me the end of episode three and episode four, it's where things really get moving. Because we finally break out of the constant sitcom format. And mm-hmm. end of episode three has her confronting Geraldine, because mm-hmm. Wanda had mentioned that she had a brother. She had a twin brother. And Geraldine says, he was killed by Ultron, wasn't he? And that was not what Wanda wanted to hear. No, no. But we didn't really see what happened. Of course, because, <laughs> spoilers, Wanda had two babies in episode three. In, in like 24 hours, I think. Yeah. I think that's how long that took. It was a really fun episode. Like, it was definitely all of the magical, mystical stuff going on, but completely in a 1970s form with a theme song that was amazing, the hair, the costumes, the the sets, everything just looked great. And she has the babies, and then Vision goes outside, but Geraldine's with her. And meanwhile, their two neighbors are talking to Vision, and they're like, okay, do you ever wonder why Geraldine's here? I mean, she doesn't really belong here. And they're trying to hint something to him, and he's not getting it, but he knows that something's up. Yeah, because he saw his neighbor, was it Herb, I think? Herb, yeah. you're right. Yep. Was trimming the bushes, but he was sawing like through a brick wall and just mm-hmm. like kind of grinning and not acknowledging this was a weird thing to do. And so I, when we go to episode four, that's when we oh, see everything man. from the outside because Geraldine, whose actual name is Monica, Monica, she got Monica Rambo. Yeah. She got flung right out of Westview. It's suddenly she's surrounded by sword operatives. So we start episode four from a hospital room or from Monica suddenly appearing in a hospital room and she's like falling into place from dust fragments. So I have not watched Spider-Man Far From Home. I haven't either. Did they, they haven't addressed how people came back. I'm thinking this might be the first time that we've seen people actually rematerializing after Thanos' snap. Did you read that article that I sent you? I did, yes. And they're calling it the blip now, which I thought it was interesting. I think that must have been from Far From Home. I'm wondering, the blip might be when people came back. The snap, I think, was when people left. But yeah, um, they did mention it in Far From Home, but I haven't seen it. I need to watch it. I don't know why I haven't watched it, but yeah we're really seeing the repercussions. This hospital was going absolutely batshit crazy because it was the day that everybody came back. And they're having to explain to Monica, who's sitting there going, where's my mom? Where's my mom? And they're like, your mom died three years ago, two years after you disappeared. And that's how Monica finds out that she's been gone this whole time. So you know, Monica is the daughter of Captain Marvel's friend in the Captain yeah, Marvel Marie, movie. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I think so, that's awesome. I love the continuity there. Yeah, so apparently yeah. her mom mother started S.W.O.R.D. from the ground up and formed the whole organization. Which, in case you're wondering, S.W.O.R.D. is the space version of S.H.I.E.L.D. So (laughs) if you haven't been watching any of the Marvel stuff, that's not going to mean anything to you. But that's what that's about. And that was... 
Wanda saw that Geraldine was wearing this pendant, which I thought was an upside down cross. And I was like, oh, that's kind of ominous. And everything. No, it's a sword. She had a pendant <laughs> with a sword on it. But um, yeah, so Monica is gone back to sword, but she's having to start slowly because she's you know been gone a while. So she gets in this missing person case and she meets Agent Wu who we last saw in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Which is fantastic. I love that he's brought back because he's just this poor, hapless FBI agent who wants to be seen as this really stern lawman, but he keeps accidentally thinking people are asking him to open up about his own life. And it's really (laughs) endearing. It's so cute. He's really, he's fun, he's competent and everything. And we also get to see him interact with, woohoo, Darcy's back! Yay! (laughs) Last saw her in, uh... Uh, Thor Dark World. I don't think we saw her in Ragnarok no, at all, did no, we? No, she wasn't. Oh, no, it was just Thor the Dark World. So it's fantastic. Uh, She's a doctor now. She's a oh. def- uh, astrophysicist, I think is what she I is. So. Called in to help with this weird situation they've got around this town, Westview, that they talk to a couple of police officers from Eastview who don't know what they're talking about, about what is this town Westview that you keep mentioning, even though there's this giant billboard behind them, Westview. So yeah, yeah, something yeah. odd is definitely going on. And that was how Monica ended up in WandaVision was she like found this barrier and tried to push against it and got sucked inside but it wasn't something that Wanda had planned for which is why she was so shocked when Monica starts talking about stuff happening outside of this sitcom world that she's created which she definitely seems to be in charge of all of this oh yeah every bit of it except Sort of. Um, so people, Sword keeps trying to break in. And of course, Monica gets sucked in involuntarily. But before she got sucked in, she'd actually sent a drone in. But the drone disappeared. It's just when it reappeared in Wanda's world, it became a little toy plane. I loved how the beekeeper was actually a sword operative who was in a big hazmat suit with a big tether. He goes past the barrier, but as soon as he goes into the barrier, his hazmat suit becomes a beekeeper suit. But I love the tether snapped off of him, and they pulled it back on our side, and it had been turned into one of those kids' jump rope things with, like, the little multicolored beads on there that we all remember from the 1970s it and 80s. It was so memorable to see that. I'm like, oh, my God, I can even remember how those things felt. Yeah, it's, it was unmistakable. It's such a great touch. They're looking ah! at it. Ah! <laughs> So uh, we got to still keep talking about this because we've we've glossed over my favorite scene. We didn't get to see what happened in between when Wanda starts to get mad at, quote unquote, Geraldine and ask her, well, how do you know about Ultron? It just immediately goes to Vision asking Wanda, oh, where's Geraldine? She's like, oh, she had to run home. We didn't get to see what happened in episode four. The agents who are watching all of these episodes, and they've actually started like getting popcorn and chips and whatever and watching it, just like a sitcom, but they didn't see it either. They're like, somebody's censoring the broadcast. What happened to Geraldine? And then these alarms start going off when they run out, and that's because Geraldine's just appeared, but then we get to see Wanda. Like, it just kind of goes into the TV a bit, and when Wanda confronts Geraldine. And she does the whole, and I love this, the Scarlet Witch visual effects when she starts moving her hands around, and these balls of glowing red light appear in her palms and she hurls her out of Westview and you see her going through their wall, through the neighbor's walls, flying across a field and then going out the force field and into the night. But there was something about that moment that was so cool. 
cool because there is this feeling of Wanda's doing all of this, but she's not entirely aware. So I guess she's probably cast sort of a spell on herself to give her this world where Vision is still alive. But man, when she just starts doing the glowy effects, there was something about that moment when I realized, like she said, you're trespassing. It's like this world she's created, this intensely personal world that she's created, and there's a sword agent inside. She's furious, and it was it was amazing. Just blew my mind. And oh. all the other times that we've seen her doing magic in this sitcom world, it's definitely been the sort of bewitched, you know, not quite mm. wrinkling her nose or anything, but just really, really small gestures or pointing at things, whatever. And it wouldn't be surprised when it works. No, she wasn't kidding around when she threw mm. Monica out of the world. Oh, I, it was oh, it was my favorite bit. It was so just, just changed the whole dynamic of the show for me. It's just so neat. Well, and also when she did that and then Vision comes in, we saw him coming in as, you know, his human self and asking, where's Geraldine? Well, when he comes in this time and Wanda turns around and she sees him and he's still in his sort of, you know, Vision appearance, but he's completely gray and he has a giant gaping hole in his forehead from when Thanos ripped the Infinity Stone out of his forehead. So that was a bit startling. Oh, God. God, yeah. Oh, God, this is just... They also... The S.W.O.R.D. agents are kind of watching these broadcasts, and they're figuring that everybody that we see in the show, the WandaVision show, is actually looks to be a S.W.O.R.D. agent that for one reason or another... Is it, is it a S.W.O.R.D. agent, or is it a member of the town? I think it might be a member of the town, because... Yeah, but the whole yeah, the whole town's been surrounded, and nobody can get in or out. And I think that's possibly why their neighbors are being so weird because they're starting to get the idea something's not right, and we want to get out. I mean, the doctor, Wanda's doctor, for when she found out she was pregnant twelve hours before she actually gave birth, <laughs> uh, he talked about how he was in the wife for going to Barbados, and they finished up the whole episode, and Vision tells him, "Oh, enjoy your vacation." The doctor says, "Oh, I don't think we'll actually be able to make it this time." Uh, small towns are really hard to escape. <laughs> See, I was wondering about if they were all towns members because they were putting these pictures up on the wall when they would identify various people and they had the word sword on it. And so for a while there, I thought it was actually they were all sword agents, but I guess that makes more sense. I, they were I guess. I don't know if they yeah. made that specific. I automatically assumed it was townspeople, but you never right, know. Right, No. Oh. Oh, oh my goodness. So, And then it's just, there's way too much. You just got to watch the episode. Because I think the episode's only like 23, 24 minutes long. Yeah, it's a huge chunk of it is the credits at the end of it. So it's mm-hmm. long-ass credits, but that's fine because it means the rest of it just flies by. But yeah, I I remember hearing someone say that at episode four things started making more sense. I'm like, yeah, right. I definitely did. You start seeing what the actual point is now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was enjoying the show before, just from the fun thing with the sitcoms and everything. But the other thing I was going to talk about, and it was the article that had to point this out to me, when we change from Wanda's world in whatever it is, and then we slowly move to, we realize we're kind of seeing 
like a more real world thing, like the the sword agents, the outside world, or when Wanda is confronting Monica, <laughs> the aspect ratio of the video changes. It goes from the more boxy vision of what we would have had on a regular TV and stretches out to the letterbox thing. And I didn't even know that you can watch it happening, just see everything sort of shrink in and stretch out and everything. I'm like, I just that attention to detail is just phenomenal. They, I just love it. They are really playing with all of the tropes and all mm-hmm. of the things that you remember, but didn't know that you remembered about these old sitcoms. Like from that very first episode where it's just three different camera angles for every scene that you go back and forth until things start getting weird. And then suddenly yeah. you get close-ups. So yeah. 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 I, kudos to the cinematographer on this one and everybody else who's doing the effects. Unbelievable. But yeah, like I said, I, I like this show already with the sitcom thing, but now we've moved into an area that's just so in my wheelhouse. It's like, oh, it's this sci-fi fantasy Marvel stuff. I love this. This is so cool. <laughs> it's so cool. It's so nice to see Darcy back. Oh, my God. Yeah, I saw. I didn't want to take a look at it because I was so far behind on the episodes. Ah! Stop that. I didn't even realize I'd started again. How weird. <laughs> oh, God, that means we've gone twice the time. Twice the this time. One. Okay, just Oops. one last thing. I saw an article that I didn't read that I have to look up now where the actress who plays Darcy had commented that she thinks it would be a good idea for Tom Hiddleston as Loki to join the WandaVision. I'm like, oh, I am my down God. with that. But then I am down with Loki joining any of the Marvel properties. All of them. Absolutely. Didn't you kind of do a little ship with uh, Loki and Darcy at one point? Because didn't they like actually date in real life for just a minute? I can't can't even remember at this point. Maybe? I don't know. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Shippy goodness, yay. Except I almost kind of feel like they might be sort of shipping her with Wu, maybe. I don't know. It could be. The last time we saw her, she was sort of making out with her intern, which was interesting because she was also an intern, but she decided she needed an intern's intern. That sounds about right for Darcy. (laughs) She's a doctor now. I just love that. Oh, And she's so snarky and fun. I think it's great. Oh, Okay, so I guess that is going to wrap us up for the week. God, that was a lot to get through. It <laughs> sure was, man. boy. <laughs> oh, man. So make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the fan art galleries. We're going to do a Wicked and the Divine fan art gallery, but we're going to probably have to do a WandaVision one as well. Yeah, yeah, now we definitely do. I mean, I knew that the... Um that the fan art would be interesting in the sitcom world, but now that we're opening up to the sci-fi fantasy world, yeah, I'm looking forward oh, to that. All of that, yeah. Anyway, all of that and more. Pixeladygeek.com. <laughs> God, so now we're, we're like caught up on, I won't say we're caught up on all the things. We've just watched four. Hasn't episode six of WandaVision already dropped? Just dropped. And I am halfway through episode six of the first season of BoJack Horseman. So we will have to talk about Ooh. that as well. Yeah, that show, man. I really feel like once you get done with the first season, you've kind of got a better idea of what the show's about because it kind of meanders for a little bit and then they keep surprising you in that show. Oh, anyway, I'm sure we'll figure something to talk about. We always do. So one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to you later.
wrote down something clever, uh, but I can't find it in my terrible, terrible handwriting. So, oh, well, that's fine. And you were the one who told me, you're like, oh my God, end of episode. Did I say season or episodes? I can't season even three remember. Yeah. So, yeah. End of season. Now I'm doing it.